Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Apologies uh, on the slight delay. Wanted to get this thing going a tiny bit sooner than I did, but we're here. Um, Do you really care? Does anybody really care why I'm five, six minutes late? The answer is that I was getting it. This is like beyond first world problem type of moment. Uh, We use Instacart a lot, have basically since the pandemic. And, you know, with the second kid, it's a lot easier. Uh, And this Instacart dude was texting me about something called Topo Chico. And I kept saying, I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. Finally, like four messages in, I'm like, dude, are you shopping two orders? It's like, yeah, I'm sorry. It's the wrong one. So then I looked it up. I guess it's like carbonated water, basically. I didn't ask for carbonated water. I drink my water out of the tap like my pappy used to do. And it's pappy before him. Topo Chico. The hell do I need carbonated water for? What am I? What, uh, some kind of fancy boy? I'm not fancy. I actually drink, I actually like tap water. I have no problem with it. Um, if I want it cold, I will put it in the refrigerator. I don't need bottled water. And it's not because I'm some environmentalist. I just think it's unnecessary. Whatever. You guys have been following me for a long time, so you already know I'm weird. So this should come as absolutely no surprise to you uh, that I'm even one click weirder than you realized. Welcome to another week, week 19, fantasy basketball. Uh, Playoffs start next week for a lot of folks. If your playoffs start this week, I apologize. I don't think we're going to get into a lot of that on today's show. But what I am going to do is, what I'm hoping at least, I'm going to finish this show, and then we're going to launch another one almost right after it. So, uh, (laughs) more text messages coming in from Instacart. I don't know how I'm going to do this on a live show. Uh, and then the show after this one will have a sort of a takedown of this upcoming week. Uh, but for now, this show, the big weekend recap, will get you the ads for this coming week. Should be a lot of fun. I am Dan Vespers. This is Fantasy NBA Today, Sports Ethos presentation, sportsethos.com. Uh, at Dan Vespers, if you've got to find me over on social media, I hope that you will. D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Please take a moment to like and subscribe before we dive into the fun stuff today. And also, shout out, Baseball Draft Guide. It is a coming. I think there are like five or six things that are uh, officially ready to go. The rank list should be out this week as well. You can get all of that in the MLB Fantasy Pass at Sports Ethos. That's just six bucks a month. Or get yourself an all-sport fantasy pass. You can finish out the NBA season. You can get it going into the next NBA season. I would recommend the all-sport. But, you know, you do what you got to do. That's all available over at sportsethos.com. Let's dive in, shall we? Let me make sure I'm getting the uh, the graphics all the way that I want them. There we go. We will go through Sunday and then Saturday, and then there are three teams. I actually bothered to look it up before I went on air today that didn't play Saturday or Sunday, so we'll hit those from Friday as well. Uh, And let's just start kind of moving our way through the stuff here. The... Uh, Milwaukee Bucks took down the the sort of semi zombie Sixers. Uh, the, what do you, you can't really call them the zombie Sixers because Joel Embiid is going to be out for a while. This is just who they are now. Uh, so what do we got? Well, 
Malik Beasley continues to be a pretty reasonable fill-in for Chris Middleton, as long as he remains out. Uh, not that he's, like, starting for him, but he's getting some of his shots, and Beasley's running hot right now, which is also relevant. No, I'm not picking up Bobby Portis after one good ball game. Moving on. We're going to try to go pretty quickly on this stuff, too. I think people appreciate it when we hustle until you get to something that actually requires a bunch of additional attention. And there's a little bit of that with the Sixers. Uh Mostly the backcourt, and I think there's actually some disagreement in the fantasy community on this. I, you guys know me, I tend to be very high on DeAnthony Melton, and this is the kind of ball game that makes me stay that way. He only played 18 and a half minutes as he's working back from a stress fracture in his back, which is a big deal. 16 points, three boards, three assists, two steals, four three-pointers in 18 and a half minutes. He was awesome. I mean, that's a, like, that's a top, 70 or better fantasy line in 18 and a half minutes. And it's always been the case for Melton that he could put up fantasy numbers in low minutes. The issue has generally been, is he playing alongside extremely high usage dudes? And the answer right now, finally, after a very long time of it, the answer being yes, the answer right now is no. Just Tyrese Maxey, really. Because, I mean, what what are we going to say? Tobias Harris is a high usage guy? He's not. He's a usage guy. Ubre is sort of a usage guy. But Melton actually had the highest on the team. He went out there and he was just firing away, having a grand old time. So, uh, yes, there are more backcourt bodies on this team right now. They've added Buddy Heald. They added Kyle Lowry. But the thing is, Melton is better than these guys. Yes, he's better than both of those dudes. I know Buddy Heald is a nice outside shooter, but Melton's just a better all-around fantasy or basketball player. And so in my eyes, I trust that Nick Nurse is going to see that. It's not always the best idea to put your trust in a coach to see the thing that is like right there out on the page in front of them, but I trust in Nurse. And I think that as Melton, he's on a minutes limit right now, so don't worry about the the time. He'll be, when it was 16 minutes, 15, 16 minutes in the first game. Now 18, he'll probably be at 20 or so in the next one. You know, Philly has a back-to-back. He'll probably get that off, blend it in there. And uh, they do next week. This week, they have only a three-gamer, so he'll probably play in all of those. And, you know, I'm always looking at things more on the Roto side. I get it. If you're streaming, he has a very bad schedule over the next four days, just one game. Uh, But I think by, you know, middle of next week, Melton's going to be clobbering people. So I'm big into DeAnthony Melton. Uh, I think you can keep playing Maxi. Obviously, Harris, Paul Reed is a yes. Buddy Heald, he's a hold. And then uh, Kelly Oubre is the one that I'm a little bit worried about. But as long as he's still chucking in his time on the floor, then I won't be too worried about it. So hold all of those guys for now. We'll kind of see how things shake out. But uh, definitely add DeAnthony Melton. That's one of my key names for... The foreseeable future is Melton. And I don't know if Embiid ever shows back up again this year. And if he does, we can reassess at that point. But for now, I think Melton, 100% in my eyes, belongs on rosters. Because, like, how many times can you go out to the waiver wire and find somebody that, if he gets the minutes, and we don't know, like, maybe he caps out at, like, 24 with all these new guards in the mix. If that's the case, then you're looking at a guy who's going to be struggling to hit top 100. But dude was, you know, top 75 this year before he got hurt, and that was with Embiid around 28 minutes, mind you, but 10 shots. 
He could get 10 shots in less than 28 minutes without Joel Embiid out there, as we saw in his ball game yesterday. So that's one of the names that I wanted to pause on a little bit. Lakers and Suns, not a whole lot to take away from the Lakers. Uh, Hachimura is, has that sort of last starting spot right now, but his fantasy game is not robust enough to consider him an ad. On the Phoenix side, no Eric Gordon, who was going to be likely filling in for Bradley Beal, so you were now sort of two rotation guys down, and that meant that Royce O'Neal was sort of unfettered. There were no fetters upon him. Nothing could hold Royce back. He played 37 minutes, hit six three-pointers. He was uh, unquestionably the best player on the floor for the Phoenix Suns yesterday, which is a crazy thing to say, but, you know, these guys are all very good at basketball, and at some point, they'll pop off. And the Lakers were like, look, we have to figure out a way to slow down Durant and Booker, and we're going to live with it if Grayson Allen and Royce O'Neal beat us. And they did. Those two guys combined for 12 three-pointers. 44 points on 29 shots between the two of them. If Beal and Gordon are still off for the next ball game, then you play Royce O'Neal. Fairly straightforward call there. Got some questions about Bull Bull. He played 24 minutes. Uh, you know, again, this team is extremely shorthanded right now. This is probably a best-case scenario for Bull, unless Yusuf Nurkic goes down. I guess if Drew Eubanks went down, you might get a little bit more Bull. He has jumped over Eubanks in the pecking order. But this is sort of like as good as it's going to get. I don't think he needs to be added in 12-teamers. You can put him on your watch list. Someone's going to pick him up, and then they'll drop him a day or a game or two later. Uh, I think you can just watch for now. Plus, I do believe that as this team gets a little bit healthier, you'll see them run smaller more often, and that hurts, well, anybody who's not above average at basketball, which is, like, everybody on this team. They're a very, very thin club. They really only have, like, seven guys they're willing to play, and two of those guys are hurt right now. So, Bull Bull gets bonus. Dallas, this is troubling. Uh, Derek Lively played 14 and a half minutes. Daniel Gafford played 19 and a half minutes. And Maxi Kleba played 24 and a half minutes, which I get it. That goes over 48. So, that was some minutes were logged not at center for at least one of those guys. But it is extremely troubling that all three of them are playing less than rotational minutes. And so you now you've got this unpleasantness. And it's sort of weird. Like, I, I think Jason Kidd is trying to figure out what combos work at the moment. Because Lively was a plus nine in his 14 and a half minutes. And Kleba and Gafford were a combined minus 32 in theirs. And I get it. You can't draw that many conclusions from plus minus, but it does seem a little bit like you might get a, you know, who's who's uh, matching up better on a given night kind of thing. I'm still holding Gafford. I think you can drop Lively. I think you can, not that you ever picked up Kleba, but you could obviously not, you can let go of him. And the reason I'm holding Gafford is that he only needs about 22, 23 minutes to actually be a fantasy asset. Like he wasn't that far off here in 19 and a half minutes. He had eight and five with a block. You give him another three or four minutes out there, you've got 10 and six with a block and a half or whatever it is, 10 and six and a half. Like, at least at that point, he's startable, if barely. And then anything over that is gravy. If Lively gets hurt again, if Kleba gets hurt again, all that stuff could kind of break in your favor. So I'm not dropping Gafford yet, but this is messy. And if you're thinking about picking up Josh Green, just know that this is a dude who's running hot right now. And I keep, I got to, like, I have to be better about saying it's okay to play players when they're hot 
But I just know, like, we know enough to know that this is not a thing that's going to just magically be okay the rest of the year. Um, his usage numbers are not all that high. He's been on kind of like a pretty good steals run also, which is a little bit unusual. Um, he's shooting the ball well. He's not going to the free throw line, which is good for him. The three-pointers have been better. All that to say, I don't think you need to take the Josh Green plunge if you were thinking about it. Feels unnecessary. I don't Yeah, let's keep going. Uh, Indiana, Benedict Matherin is filling in for uh, Aaron Neesmith right now, and Mather's actually kind of been okay. I would argue better than I expected in this role. And, I, you know, he's not shooting well, which is actually kind of promising given the other stuff. He has four steals, 10 assists, 17 rebounds in his last two ball games, And it's mostly just because the minutes are there. He's played 68 minutes in those two games. Now, when Neesmith comes back, Matherin, you don't even have to give him a second thought. Uh, but right now, like, that many minutes... He's probably short-term streamable. I mean, like, heaven forbid he actually has a better shooting game here. Let's say he has a better shooting game tonight against Toronto. If he's still taking 12, 13, 14 shots, which he's, he's had 14 exactly in the two uh, most recent Neesmith fill-in games, I don't know the assists stay that high. He's actually a rebounder. He's not that terrible. So that's, not, you know, not 11, but somewhere between... Five and ten is not insane. Give it six and a half, seven rebounds possibly in 33, 34 minutes because Miles Turner's not that great of a rebounder. And Siakam's not an overwhelmingly great rebounder. So there is a little bit left over there for Matherin. I think you could probably play him tonight. You know, it's not like spending a bunch of roster moves on stuff. And, you know, Roto Games Cap, it's a little easier because you could just pick up a guy and then drop him two days later if you needed to. But, uh, for a player that I've basically said I don't want anything to do with, he's in an okay spot right now, and so I'm kind of okay if you really wanted to playing Matherin in the very short term. Uh, Andrew Nemhart playing decent minutes, but his fantasy game tends not to translate all that well. He typically is like mostly like medium assists and not a whole lot else. Shooting for seven for eight yesterday was helpful, uh, but I don't I don't trust him for nine cat. Cleveland over Washington, not much on the Cavs side. I don't care if LaVert had a better ball game, but I don't care. We know what's going to happen with him in 9-cat. And then Max Struess, who's the founding member of the Doesn't Matter Club, had two good ball games, so he was due for a stinker. Uh, by the way, I think the Doesn't Matter Club should sort of be named after, like, late-stage, late-career Danny Green, where it was like, look, if you just look back at the end of the month, it's going to be like a 100 to 120 range month. And that's basically what Struess is going to be. It'll be about 120 over a month. Some of the time it'll be good. Some of the time it'll be bad. It doesn't really matter. If you want to fill in the end of your head-to-head -head bench, that works. I don't think I'd use him against the games cap. These doesn't matter guys. Probably don't belong in a lineup against the games cap, but you get it. Hey, let's pause on Jordan Poole for a second here because Jordan Poole got benched because... Uh, Seemingly, the coach was like, look, I want the ball in your hands more when you're on the floor. And he's actually responded well. Benched Jordan Poole has taken 57 shots in three games since moving to the bench. He's taken 17 free throws, so you're finally getting the 
positive impact free throw number from him. It's like he's actually getting to the line. He could not throw a stone in the ocean right now. He's shooting 38-some-odd percent, I think, over this last week. That's despite a good ball game yesterday. Uh, the rebounds and assists are never going to be all that high for him, but he did have five assists in yesterday's ballgame. And basically what we're looking at here with Poole is he's finally taking the usage that folks were hoping he would have to start the season. Now, the big issue, of course, is going to be field goal percent. Is it going to be 38% on high volume or is it going to be 41 Which doesn't feel like that big of a difference, but it's actually an enormous difference when you're talking about how much of a drag that number is because he's now taking a whole bunch of shots, you know, 57 shots. If you want to go a couple of percentage points, you're actually talking about a made bucket, two made buckets, that kind of thing. So like that's substantial when, as opposed to like if he was taking seven shots a game, the difference between 39% and 41% is nothing. It's meaningless, but on volume, it matters. So to that end, I don't really know. We can't know. If he's going to run hot, is he going to run cold? Is it going to be somewhere in between? The best we can do is just assume that he's going to land somewhere near where he was maybe before he hit the bench, which is like 45 to 41%. And then if he gets back to Golden State 43, not if, I don't think he's getting anywhere near 45. That was sort of like the good shooting year for Poole. But if he can get back to 42 43%, now you're actually cooking with something. So... That we're getting there in a way that I didn't expect. I should probably say that. But you may remember that I said I thought Jordan Poole was an interesting post-deadline stash because I thought well, the Wizards would trade someone, Tyus Jones, Kyle Kuzma, something like that, and it might open up the usage for him. It seems like the usage is going to get opened up for Poole just in a different way. So this is like finding the uncharted road to get to this point. So if Poole got dropped... I think he's a must-add player right now. Uh, he's not going to be particularly available in... Now, it's funny. He'll be more available in expert leagues than he will in novice. Because he was so awful that expert leagues, there's like no way anybody was going to play him all season long while he was tanking your team. But novice leagues, they were like, oh, but he's scoring 16 points. I got to hold on to this dude. So he was actually a little bit more available in leagues that have... Well, I guess it's like minimal IL slots because then teams are going to want to like dump the guys that stink so that they can get afford to take a zero on somebody that doesn't. Uh, he was more likely to get dropped in expert leagues because experts were aware of how bad he was. But anyway, point is, just go check. Check to see if he's out there. Landry Shamit had a nice ball game. I'll put him on a watch list. I don't think that we need to jump at Shamit right now um, because he's sort of come out of nowhere here to play 37 minutes. There was no Denny Avdia for the Wizards yesterday. Uh, Bilal Kulabali, who had slid into the starting lineup for Jordan Poole, also got hurt. I think it's a pelvic contusion. Yeah, that's the final ruling yesterday. So then when Avdia went out, they needed to bring another guy in off the bench to start. That was Shamit. Presumably, Avdio won't be out for too long, so Shamit likely won't be interesting for too long. But if Koulibaly now is hurt, then maybe Shamit just slides over and starts for him. So there's sort of a couple ways that we could get to this point with Shamit, who's 
you know, fringy at best. And then Marvin Bagley has not done what we were hoping for. I wanted to make sure we held on to him just for a little bit to kind of find out what his role was going to be. Uh, and we're seeing that, you know, as a starter here in this sort of post-Gafford era, it's been a mixed bag. He had a 15 and 14 game in the middle of all of this. Uh, he had, what did he play, like 15 minutes and 28 and 30 and the rebounds have been fine, and the blocks have been okay. But the problem for me with Bagley, and, and I'll call him sort of a soft hold right now, is that the free throws are bad. We knew that was going to be the case. And the steals and blocks are actually like kind of okay right now, and I'm a little worried of what it's going to look like if those taper off at all. Because uh, basically, since he gained the starting role... He's at five steals and seven blocks over, I guess, at six ball games, And I just, I, honestly, I don't know if those are going to hold. And if they don't, he falls out to the top 100. Because he's, like, teetering right on the borderline right now. And I get it. Everybody wants the 10 rebounds. So, you know, it's not the end of the world there. Like, if, if you want to hang on and take the rebounds, that's okay. I just, I don't think he's going any higher than that until someone else gets out of the way. Now, if they shut down a high-usage guy, if Poole or Kuzma or whoever gives up their shots, and Bagley can get more than 10 shots a ball game if he gets up into that, like, 13, 14 shots range. And that's what you saw in their loss to the Pelicans right before the All-Star break. He had 14 points. He's at a 15-point game in there. That's a big difference from 11. And you guys know I'm not a guy who cares that much about points, but that's significant. Add an extra three, four points to his number... Now you got a double-double you can actually kind of write home about instead of just basically 10 and 10. So Bagley's a soft hold. Uh, he is a hold, soft though it may be. Uh, but anyway, that's where I'm standing on that one. Nothing on Denver. Don't care about them at all. Uh, everything is the same. For the Warriors, Andrew Wiggins is a hold. Clay Thompson, who I was starting to get real nervous about, he had a better ball game here. He remains kind of a soft hold as well. Uh, Brandon Pajemski is also a soft hold. I'm worried about what Chris Paul might do to him, but maybe I should be worried about what Paul might do to Clay Thompson also. I don't think I am, because Clay's like literally the only guy on the team besides Steph that can actually hit a three-pointer sometimes. Warriors have no spacing at all on their roster. A bug flew into my vision there, if you're wondering what I'm looking at. Hope you guys sold high on Jonathan Kaminga. All the stuff that we were worried about has sort of come out now. You're uh, holding... There's that bug. Holding Draymond Green, also, he's a low-end sort of punt points kind of center guy, but this was an ugly game overall for the Warriors, and I think that's why I'm... I don't know what's going on with my headphone today. I think it's getting caught. Is it getting caught on this strap here, or do I have them in backwards? No, it's not in backwards. I don't know why it's doing something weird today. Uh, anywho... So, Warriors, a lot of soft holds right now until Chris Paul comes back, and then we'll see what everything means. Orlando. Blech. Jonathan Isaac's knee buckled. He may not play again until 2029. We'll see what happens there. We were kind of paying attention to see if he could get 20 minutes, but, you know, this is what happens when he plays a few extra minutes. He plays two, and then the whole thing comes apart. I do believe this is part of a back-to-back, -back, and maybe they're feeling bad about doing that now. I don't know. Either way... Franz Wagner is literally the only nine-cat player on the Magic, who are without, by the way, without Paolo Boncaro for the first game all season long. It didn't really change much. It meant some more for Wendell Carter Jr., a little bit more for Jalen Suggs. 
a little bit more for Cole Anthony, who played 30 minutes off the bench, but I would expect Paolo back, and so I wouldn't read too much into it. The big news over the weekend that we kind of buried in the mix here is that Trey Young had surgery on his hand, and he's expected to miss at least four weeks. He's reevaluated at four weeks, so he's not even going to be back at that point. If the Hawks are still kind of fighting at the edge of that play-in bubble, you'll see him come back and play. Trey has been extremely durable in his career. He'll try to get back in there. But in the meantime, this now gives you sort of a firmer hold on a guy like Sadiq Bey, who I thought could fade as DeAndre Hunter got better. Hunter now is an ad. He was sort of a speculative ad before. He was a guy I talked about as a trade deadline stash. Also, Jalen Johnson is going to go crazy. DeJounte Murray is going to go crazy. Crazy. Uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich is going to go crazy. Hunter's going to be okay. Bay's going to be okay. Clint Capella's on a minutes cap right now. Your trade deadline's probably passed, but if it hasn't, you should try to see if you could get Clint Capella because Onyeko Kongu is out for at least two weeks, technically indefinitely. And so if Capella gets his minutes up before then, he could go on a little bit of a push here. And then those guys will go back to splitting things a little bit. Uh, I got a bunch of questions about Kobe Bufkin. Um, I don't specifically know why. He's nowhere near 12-team, so you don't have to worry about that. If you're in a super deep league, you could keep an eye on him, but that's about as far as I'd go there. Uh, Oklahoma City, everybody then is tell like, I always bring that up, and then people are like, this is why I ask. I'm like, that's fine. If you guys can tell me, I either way is fine. I just look at what people are tweeting at me, and then I'm like, hmm, I don't understand this, but I guess I'll talk about it on the pod. That's why you guys should listen to the pod. Thunder, they have no fantasy notes of any kind, ever. They have three players on their team you're starting every day, and that's it. Chet, Shea, Jalen Williams. How about the Rockets, though? Uh, Freddie Van Vliet has is, is kind of settled back in now. That's nice. Uh, Shangun, Jabari Smith Jr., these guys are the pretty obvious calls. Dylan Brooks is droppable with Freddie back because he's not forced to take 19 shots anymore. Amen Thompson is the one that we're all watching. He's a hold right now. Minutes were a bit lower in this ballgame again. He was having efficiency issues, shot 2 of 10 from the field, missed his free throws. But he's an amazing rebounder for a guard. Defensively, you're seeing it like nightly, blocks and steals. And that's just, in my opinion, that's, that's not a guy you can kick back to the waiver wire. Not when the ceiling is that high. And he's been sort of regularly stealing a few minutes from Jalen Green, who played a little bit more in this ballgame, so it's not going to be every night. But, like, there'll be games where Green plays 25 minutes and Thompson also gets up to 25. And in those, Amin might just damn do enough to be a fantasy start. So I would hold on to Thompson, kind of see how this thing goes. Again, he's another player that I wanted to pause on just for a moment because I felt like there was kind of more there. But, yes, firm hold on Thompson. Chicago, start the starters. Pelicans right now start the starters. They're down C.J. McCollum. I guess they were start the starters when he was back also. It's just a different last starter. C.J.'s out, so Trey Murphy is in. Uh, And right now, Zion, Trey, Herb, J.V., Ingram, those are the five guys you can start. When McCollum comes back, he'll punt Trey Murphy back to the bench, and I think at that point you probably then also punt Trey Murphy. But for now... I like what Trey can do when he's starting. Those extra minutes are good for his rebounds, good for his defensive stats, and that covers the fact that, like, this ballgame, he shot the ball very poorly. He'll have good shooting games where he won't need that other stuff, but the extra minutes as a starter means he'll get that other stuff 
And that means now the floor is 100 and the ceiling is more like 50. When he's coming off the bench and his minutes are, you know, 7 to 10 minutes lower, you start to look at ceiling of 80 and floor of like 160. It's a pretty good chunk move for him. So Trey Murphy, injury filling right now. Utah blew out the Spurs, uh, not for lack of Wembenyama's trying. Victor's last stretch here is mind-boggling. He's up to number nine in nine-cat now. He passed Kevin frickin' Durant. How? I'll tell you how. He's blocking shots at a rate that uh, I just can't even remember. He's number two over the last week. Listen to these averages for Wembenyama over his last three ball games. 22.7 points, 1.7 threes, 11 rebounds, 4.7 assists, 3.7 steals, and 5 blocks. Yeah. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Over his last three games, he has 11 steals and 15 blocked shots. And even though he's been a pretty big negative uh, in field goal percent, they, who cares? What's really amazing is that Nikola Jokic has actually been better, a more valuable nine-cap player over that same stretch. Jokic is on one of his ridiculous surges right now, but oh my God, Wemby. I had the distinct privilege of playing against him in one of my three head-to-head leagues, and uh, I mean, I thought I had that week completely wrapped up in both steals and blocks, and Wemby switched it for both, basically. It's crazy. Hold on to Trey Jones. Hold on to Devin Vassell. Obviously, those are the three guys. I hope you guys sold high on Jeremy Sohan when I mentioned that a while back. We can keep going. For the Utah Jazz, uh, Taylor Hendricks, I called a speculative ad towards the end of last week. I think that's the best we can say. He fouled out in 26 minutes here, so would he have played two minutes more? Maybe. Would that have made any difference in his fantasy line? Bleh. Nine and three with a block and a steal or a block and a three ball. I mean, okay, keep an eye on it, obviously, but I don't know that anything really is guaranteed. Walker Kessler has now settled back into his 18 to 20 minute range, which is annoying, but it is top 100. So hold on to Kessler. And then Keontae George, who I mentioned, I thought he's a sell high when he has a couple good shooting games in a row, like he did going into the all-star break. Now you've seen the cool off. The bottom can fall out hard on these young guys. Keontae is both a hold and a sell when you can. Those two things can be true at the same time. Maybe Jordan Clarkson's heating up again. If he's about to go on a heater, that's also a sell-high opportunity. Markinen, John Collins, Collins Sexton, and then Walker Kessler. Those are the four safe ones for the Jazz in 9-cat. And then George is sort of like the, oh, I hope I get him on the right week kind of play. But... He is still a hold. And I feel somewhat similarly about Trey Mann, although the more I look at them, I think Mann has a little bit of a higher floor than Keontae because the uh, defensive stats and the uh, rebounds tended to be better. Although, here, Trey Mann played 24 and a half minutes, had six points, two boards, and three assists. The three steals kind of floated his value for this ballgame. Charlotte won again, which is crazy. They've completely ruined their chance at getting, you know, by- or are ruining their record, their chance of getting a bottom three uh, record in the league. They're now, are they better than the Blazers? No, half game. They beat Portland to move one in the half game of having a better record. Charlotte, stop it. Stop it, Charlotte. You're screwing up a whole season of being awful. It was funny, too. They asked their coach, Steve Clifford, what's different? 
Uh, and he said guys are trying now, which is a big indictment of the dudes that were there before. But you could get it. Like, they had some veterans who were just like, I'm going to put up my numbers. Now they got guys playing defense. Cody Martin had a big ball game. Uh, you're not picking him up, not from one big ball game. Vasilye Mitsich had a nice ball game. You're also not picking him up uh, either. Nick Richards, again, low end center stream. He had a big ball game here, so that was nice. But overall, we kind of know what his floor ceiling is after like three months of filling in for Mark Williams. Brandon Miller, Miles Bridges, those guys are are obvious starts. Trey Mann, it, again, similar to Keontae George. He is both a hold and start and a sell while hot. We knew the rebounds weren't going to stick at like seven a ball game. He's just not big enough to put up those kind of numbers. He's not that tall. I mean, he's tall for a point guard, but he's not that tall. And he's not thick at all. So, like, the, the guards that get a lot of rebounds tend to be either very tall or very strong. And he's not really either of those. So we sort of knew that number was going to come down. Uh, what is everything else going to be? Again, we don't exactly know because he's never really had an opportunity like this before. Could he be top 109 cat? Yes. But when he has one of those big ball games and someone's like, ooh, this guy could be like top 40, that's when you need to jump in and be like, I'll give you this dude and all you got to do is give me back a top 70 guy. And you'll basically be happy you did. Unless you're punting field goal percent, in which case, obviously, he takes a, a pretty good size step forward. For Portland, uh, Anthony Simons had a bad shooting game, but you're not going to worry too much about that. Jeremy Grant, similar story. As long as those guys are healthy, you play them. Uh, Chris Murray got the shooting guard minutes with uh, no Malcolm Brogdon, no Scoot Henderson, no Shaden Sharp. There's plenty of guys that are out for Portland right now. Dominating! finally deciding to wake up here he got off to a really good start this season remember and then disappeared for a while but Aiton he's top 20 over the last couple of weeks where is he for the full season now 52 that's like almost right where he was drafted congratulations DeAndre Aiton of being basically right on your ADP uh missed a bunch of ball games so by totals not so much um but again like those are only the, those are really the only guys you can play like, I don't think you can play Chris Murray you certainly, how many times did you guys have to ask me about Jabari Walker before finally taking my word that it's not, he needs multiple guys out of the way. And, you know, at some point, Scoot will come back and he's going to be asked to carry a big usage load when the team goes into full shutdown. But they're not there yet. Does Brogdon play again? I don't know, maybe. Whatever. Sacramento, uh, keep streaming Malik Monk. He's a, he's a bona fide stream while warm guy. Kevin Herter is a stream-when-he-gets-minutes guy, which is starting to tip back the other way, mostly because Harrison Barnes was playing better. But the Malik Monk heater is also contributing, and it's almost like he and Herter kind of trade off Monk and Herter. Which guy actually gets to do enough consistently? So maybe you just trade off who you have on your roster. Herter was okay enough in this game to sort of float holding on for another one or two days, but I need to see that minute count get back up to 30 if I'm actually going to recommend holding on to him long-term. Not surprisingly, by the way, De'Aaron Fox better out of the All-Star break. He starts fast and then tires. We've seen this a couple times now. He might be a guy who benefits from just taking like a game off every once in a while. What's Sacramento's record right now? 33 and 23, they're the five-seed 
tied with the Suns and the Pelicans. Yeah, I guess they can't give many days off. My bad. Keep them going. Uh, Clippers. I don't know what the hell happened to the Clippers in this ball game. They just couldn't shoot the ball from outside. No Paul George. Norman Powell filling in. He filled in for Kawhi before. He filled in for PG in this one. And, you know, if you need points, that's the direction you go. Otherwise, no, I'm not picking up Terrence Mann. We've seen this enough times to know he has two or three games like this and then uh, basically goes back to being non-existent. Before we turn the clock back and cover the games from Saturday, this is a great opportunity for me to remind you guys to find me over on Twitter at Dan Vespers and make sure to f- uh, follow Sports Ethos on Twitter at EthosFantasyBK. Also, please take a moment to subscribe however you're taking in this show. YouTube, Twitter, Spotify, iTunes, does Stitcher exist anymore? No, I don't think they do. Simple Cat, whatever it is, like, please hit the subscribe button. That's a big deal. And if you're watching or listening on a format where you can hit a like button, please do that as well. And frankly, if you're just catching us as we, you know, sprint past you uh, on Twitter, make sure to follow and hit the like button there as well. Whatever little thing you guys can do, it actually does matter a lot. Also, 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 Check out our buddies over at manscaped.com. Use promo code ethos20, ethos20, E-T-H-O-S-2-0 to get 20% off your order and free shipping at manscaped.com. You can get a handyman. That's an actual traditional electric razor. Not a sideburn trimmer. Actual electric razor. And it's awesome. I use it multiple times a week on the uh, straggler hairs. Also an area that my late father referred to as the out-of-bounds markers. Got to get rid of those. They also, of course, have the lawnmower. That is the titan of all uh, actual trimmers. You can use it wherever you want. I'm not going to do the gross read. Sorry, Manscaped. I'm not doing the the balls read. Use it on whatever. Use it on your face. I look professional these days because I had a bunch of play-by-play games last week. How do you think I did it? Manscaped.com. Promo code ethos20. 20% off free shipping on your order over there. Saturday, short one, just three games, so this shouldn't take long. Orlando, we already talked about. Detroit is uh, interesting right now, and another team I want to kind of pause on. Obviously, you've got Duran and you've got Cunningham. Those are your safe nine-cat guys. I'm going to hold Osser Thompson, but I need to add a couple of little tweaks on this. And you guys know how I feel about Jaden Ivey. I think he's a points league guy. I don't think he's a nine-cat guy, at least not yet. Percentages and turnovers hurt too much. Thompson, a little bit of a mixed bag, but he's a hold. Then you got Simone Fontecchio, who, I, honestly, I think his game translates just better to points formats because he doesn't have that well round He had a better well-rounded game here, but by and large, his stat set is not particularly well-rounded, mostly threes and scoring. Every once in a while, he'll grab a steal. But Quinton Grimes is the other name I wanted to mention. He made his Pistons debut, played 26 and a half minutes, which is a surprisingly large number. Only five points, two boards, four assists, two steals, a block, and a three-pointer. I don't think we're going to get the Grimes from the end of last season with the Knicks. That's the whole, like, ooh, maybe we get this iteration. But I, I can't imagine a universe where his usage is lower than it was in New York. So eight shots in 26 and a half minutes. I mean, that's kind of an eh. He took eight and a half shots in 30 minutes a game for the Knicks last year. And that was, by the by the way, that was a number that was pulled up by him taking, you know, double-digit shots nightly at the end of last year. 
But I could see a universe where, you know, let's say Grimes gets up to 27, 28 minutes with this Pistons team. Monty Williams has been known to do all sorts of crazy stuff. If he starts to play close to starters minutes, you could obviously see him get up to, you know, something like 11 shots a game. And then the question becomes, is that enough? I don't think there's anything that's going on with Grimes right now that's enough to say add, but I do think there's enough to say watch. He's a watch list guy for sure. Boston, nothing. Start the starters and then Horford if any of the starters is out. Knicks, we can view this one pretty quick. Isaiah Hartenstein back up to 24 minutes in that game on Saturday. That's a good sign. That means we can get him back loaded into lineups, thank goodness, because him coming out and playing like nine minutes without much of a warning was a huge bummer. Uh, Josh Hart, Dante DiVincenzo, Precious Achua, Jalen Brunson. You're starting the starters for the Knicks, and as expected, Boyan Bogdanovich didn't get to do much. Alec Burks didn't get to do much. The Knicks likes having a little bit of firepower off the bench, but at this point, start the starters. And then as a starter comes back, let's say Ananobi comes back before Randall, he probably bumps a Chua, maybe Hart. And whichever guy he bumps, I probably don't start, at least for one ball game, maybe two. And then, of course, OG might take a game or two to ramp up, so maybe that's not the fairest way to assess it. But you're going to see these guys taper off. You're going to see Precious taper off as guys come back. You're going to see Hart taper off. Will DiVincenzo stay above the cut line? Hard to say. You might see all three of those guys taper off. But for now, play them. Easy call. Ben Simmons, hurt again. Ben Simmons, Jonathan Isaac, not sure who is more obnoxious to roster in fantasy. Uh, I've said probably 20 times on the podcast now, I want nothing to do with the Ben Simmons experience this year. So I don't know why I need to keep bringing him up. Uh, I do it because there might be one new person watching the show every day or listening to the show, and so I want them to know I want nothing to do with Ben Simmons. I think we can also punt on Dennis Schroeder, even if Simmons misses a game or two. Uh, you know, his assists will be better if that's the case, but I, I just don't think Schroeder's fantasy game is going to translate enough, not without uh, really a lot of usage. That just, with or without Simmons, I don't think is coming Dennis's way. Uh, Cam Johnson, I'm going to give, I, on our last show, I think on Friday or maybe Thursday, I said I'm going to give him one week to convince me to hold. And his minutes have been very slowly trending up, coming back from injury. We don't know what Kevin Ollie wants him to do. I liked that he was pretty involved offensively in the minutes he was on the court in this ballgame, but there weren't enough of them. If he can get his minutes back up into the mid-20s, that would buy some time for a hold. But if he really is going to stick between 18 and 23, then we'll ultimately move on from Cam Johnson. But give him, let's give him another two or three ball games, and uh, and then we'll get a sort of final assessment there. Watch list Dorian Finney-Smith. Uh, I don't know that he's going to do enough nightly. Remember that last year we had like this Dorian Finney-Smith quest for top 95. I, I mean, that's sort of like your best ending point for DFS. So I don't think you need to take that big plunge. But let's say Ben Simmons goes down for a while. Dorian probably picks up some of those minutes. What I'd like to see is Brooklyn just flip the script and play a bunch of dudes that weren't playing before, but they don't have their pick. They're only three and a half games out of a play-in spot currently occupied by a Hawks team that just lost Trey Young. So by and large, you know, most likely, Brooklyn's going to keep fighting. Better or worse, that's probably what's going to happen. Uh, Timberwolves were without... Rudy Gobert on Saturday. So, Slow-Mo got the start. And when Slow-Mo gets the start, Slow-Mo goes into our lineups. 
but I would expect Gobert back very soon, and so this is not a thing that I'm racing to do unless we get word that uh, Gobert is going to miss another ball game. And we won't know until tomorrow. They're off tonight. So let's look at Friday. There were three teams that did not play over the weekend. If you guys can remember who they are, congratulations. We talked about it a lot last week because I wanted you guys to avoid these teams that had one game on the back half, the back bookend of the All-Star break. Memphis, Miami, and then another team that actually had two games but then went off over the weekend. This was the one that I that caught me by surprise when I was going through and getting myself prepped. Toronto. Miami, you're just waiting to see what's up. They had a bunch of guys suspended, so you're probably going to get a stream blended in there. Someone like a Caleb Martin, maybe Duncan Robinson, maybe we'll see who jumps into the starting five for Jimmy Butler. That's probably the guy you'd look at. Uh, they had a little kerfuffle. Yes, fuffles were curd. Memphis, I think, is probably the one I want to talk about last. Uh, Toronto, Gary Trent Jr. keeps sitting like right on the borderline of someone that I'm willing to hold on to. He had 13-4-4, four, and four, shot the ball poorly, but you know the 14 shots is hard to ignore. R.J. Barrett was out for that ballgame. That helped. Um, so Trent probably is going to end up a drop every time I'm like, yeah, go ahead and drop. Then he has a better ball game. He probably fits into the uh, Max Struess branded doesn't matter club. And then as much as I love Kelly Olenek, his fantasy stat set is one of my favorite on the planet. I don't think he can get to 25 minutes unless the Raptors shut down Jakob Pertl, which doesn't feel like it's all that close because we're still end of February right now, you know, maybe a month from now. That happens, but again, like at that point, you're talking very end of the season. A lot of leagues will be over. Five, six good games out of Olenek at that point. Is it going to be worth it? I mean, again, the nice thing about Olenek is that even in 20 minutes of ball game, he's putting up playable fantasy numbers, so it wouldn't kill you to hang on. He's top 115 in 17 minutes a game with the Raptors on 9-4-2 and two with a steal half a block and great percentages. But you want more. You know, you're hunting more with that last roster spot. And there's just sort of no room to go up until, unless or until they play Olenek and Pirtle at the same time. And so far they've seemed, Ryakovich has been has seemed somewhat reticent to do so. Ah, well. And then Memphis, I mean, this is like, the zombie grizzlies are a complicated mix. John Conchar is out, dealing with some thumb soreness. We've heard that Bain and Smart are trying to get back by, like, the end of March, so that's way off. Santi Aldama, as we talked about on a Silly Season stash show, he's a guy who will probably deploy when they shut down Jaron Jackson, who, is that going to be, I mean, do we think it's going to be a 65-game thing and then JJJ's done? He's at 52 right now, so unfortunately we still have a ways to go on that. 13 games is a solid... I mean, hell, I can tell you how long it's going to take Memphis to play another 13 games. Let's see. What do they got? They got four this week, four next week, three the week after that. That gets you to 11, and then three the week after that. So perhaps by March 20th, JJJ will have the 65 threshold, and then maybe he'll consider shutting it down. So how badly do I want to hold on to Santi Aldama that whole time? The answer is uh, not badly enough. <laughs> I thought he was going to get to do more. 
I'll be honest. I thought Aldama was going to get full starters minutes uh, and he would get 12, 13 shots, but it hasn't happened. 24 minutes, 8 shots, it ain't enough. I'm willing to say that I uh, was wrong on how much I thought he was going to play, and now he feels like more of a Jaron Jackson beneficiary. Like, the only starter for the Grizzlies that exists right now is the one that's blocking Aldama, but he's there, so we got to mind it. So, JJJ and Vince Williams are basically the only Grizzlies that you can reliably play on a night-to-night basis. They did sign Jordan Goodwin uh, to a, a two-way deal, so that expands how many games he's eligible to play. He's a guy I'd keep an eye on. I like Goodwin. His fantasy game is interesting, but again, he's not a guy you're picking up before you actually see it happen. And, you know, Zaire Williams has had, like, a good game every two or three and Chi Jackson has one good game every three or four, and Luke Kennard has a good game every one or three, and he sits back-to-backs, and Conchar's been sitting back-to-backs, and he's been okay, like one out of every three, and that ain't enough. Lamar Stevens actually has a pretty good fantasy game too, but he hasn't played enough. He hasn't played enough minutes either. The only guys on this team reliably playing enough minutes right now are Jaron Jackson Jr. and Vince Williams Jr. That's it. But we'll keep tracking it, because maybe they go harder into the silly, or softer, I don't know, what, what, what nomenclature makes more sense, softer or harder into the silly season? Neither one of them. Either way. All right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to fire up another show, basically right after we go off air with this one, and we're going to break down the week ahead. So come join me over on that one. Please make sure to subscribe so you know when I start that show. I will talk to you guys all in like 10 minutes. I am Dan Vespers for Fantasy NBA Today. Find me over on social at Dan Vespers. Hit up Manscaped. Hit up Sports Ethos. Like, rate, subscribe, and I'll see you guys in the next minute or two. Later for a second.